Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Means that the number one pick in the 2021 NBA draft goes to the Detroit Pistons. Who's got the number one pick in this year's Detroit. draft? Who's got the number one pick in this year's draft? Basketball! Select Isaiah Stewart. The Detroit Pistons select Killian Hayes. Sadiq, that was absolutely sensational. I don't know what went into that process. I met the criteria to be selected, but I wasn't. From long range. Oh! Yes! Yes! Detroit Basketball! Pistons fans, welcome back to another edition of the Palace of Pistons podcast, part of the Believe Podcast Network. I'm your host, Mike Angolano, and joining me as always is Aaron Johnson and Jasper Apollonia. Fellas, how are we doing? We haven't been able to record in a couple of weeks. I'm glad to have you back, Mike. I don't like the pressure of having to host. I mentioned it last week on the show towards the end. I, I really was looking forward to having you back this, this week. So thank you for showing up so I don't have to host. <laughs> yeah, I... I actually have no problem hosting, but I know how uncomfortable it makes Aaron. So I, I just tacitly <laughs> let him do it instead. I've hosted like <laughs> different talk shows and, you know, I, I do like play-by-play broadcasting. So I have a lot of experience in like that host type role, but I don't know. It's something with this, this podcast specifically that I just don't think I flow well as the host and I'm more so better as the annoying secondary guy rattling off opinions and having a bunch of banter. So I like that. I like that better. (laughs) In fairness, Aaron, you're both great at hosting and being annoying as the secondary guy. So no worries there, man. (laughs) And as the host, I love both of you being the annoying guys because it gives me pretty much (laughs) no need to talk much. And you guys just bounce off of each other. So it works out. It's a perfect uh, triangular, uh, relationship we have there mm-hmm. it's like a i don't know what's the annoying version of a love triangle we have that going on we have a ball triangle <laughs> ball triangle there we go we have a triangle <laughs> offense going yes okay. we do we have a triangle offensive there we go um but what's not offensive well maybe if you're alliance fan i'm just going to keep making fun of the lions each week as you can see that this is now my running joke uh, but what's not offensive is using Bet Online. And Bet Online is back and better than ever. And all eyes are on the gridiron as the teams are back on for their football season. And as always, Bet Online is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action. With a newly updated site and interface, even more odds, props, and contests, Bet Online continues to be the number one source for everything football. Head on over to the website or use your mobile device and sign up today to get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. And don't forget to use the promo code believe that's B L E A V to receive that bonus from football, basketball, which is right around the corner, boxing, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers for the 2021 season. But online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. And again, sign up today, receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit using the promo code believe that's B L E A V. Bet online where the game starts. Well, you know, I, we've been talking about how we think the Pistons over under has been set far too low for this season. I believe at 
23 and a half. After three preseason games, how are we feeling about that? Because we've been saying, oh, bet the over, bet the over. But whew, these have been kind of ugly, huh, fellas? I Okay, so Jasper, I don't know if you paid attention to it, but uh, last week when I said bet the White Sox, they uh, – they actually ended up losing. So yeah, I don't know, I know. If I can give betting advice anymore. Like I think I'm in timeout or something. So uh, Aaron, I, I really thought about tweeting at you after that, but <laughs> I thought that might be in poor taste. I I'm glad you brought it up because I've been thinking about it all week. I've been was having tough. sleeping issues because of it, because I, <laughs> I, I just know there's one listener out there that, that did really listen to me and they're down bad right now. Well, Hey, so am I, it's okay. I'm, I'm, I'm going to steer clear from saying that you should put a lot of money on something, but I am going to put money on the Pistons over 23 and a half still. Uh, they've played a lot of games without, or they've played all their preseason games without Kate Cunningham. Sadiq Bey has missed a game. He's missing their preseason finale as well. And Killian Hayes will end up have, end up playing in what? One of the preseason games. So I that's three key guys that they've been playing without. I, they're going to get over 23 and a half wins. I, I'm very comfortable with that, but I'm not going to tell you the listener to go bet money on that after <laughs> my snafu last week. I'm going to be a good person this week. Well, that's fine. I'll tell the listener still to bet the over on that because I'm a gambling genius who has figured out uh, always bet the Syracuse Syracuse to cover uh, always bet the lions to lose. And what can I say? Uh, hasn't failed me yet. So, yeah, it's been it's been nasty though. Like these first three preseason games, the Pistons looked a little bit better last night. Um, but that Memphis game was awful. Re- like, just I, I don't even know what positives you really could take from that game, other than Killian Hayes played, but then he got a concussion. So. <laughs> You're coming out of this. You're going into the the fourth preseason game without Killian Hayes, without Cade Cunningham, and without Sadiq Bey. Honestly, like if we weren't doing this podcast, would either of you guys watch those like that last game? Absolutely not. I, I didn't even watch the. Uh, yeah. I didn't even watch the Knicks game. Um, one because there wasn't a local. There wasn't local uh, TV broadcast for it. And two, because the Pistons were playing without Killian Hayes, without Cade Cunningham, without Sadiq Bay, without other like guys that we haven't really seen before that are worth a look, like just out of curiosity, guys like Chris Smith, Isaiah Livers, um, just to name a couple. So I just, I just didn't really feel like it. And yeah, I, this, I watched the first two. The Memphis game was really bad, so I just said, you know what, the hell with it. I'm not gonna not gonna drag myself through that that Knicks game. Yeah, um, <clears throat> the Memphis game did not inspire a whole lot of confidence. And for what it's worth, five thirty eight has the Pistons at twenty four and fifty eight with a less than one percent chance to make the playoffs. So they are taking the over, but just barely. I would also still take the over. Um, they haven't played with Cade and they've been pretty banged up, which is really unfortunate uh, between not having Sadiq and not having Killian and not having Cade. And, you know, I'm, I really think that Cade Cunningham's fine. They're just being ultra cautious because they have no reason to be aggressive in the preseason with their number one overall pick, but I would still take the over. I am going to have a hard time 
watching their final preseason game without any of those guys playing, which it looks like that's not going to happen. Um, but I would still take the over. I still still have some faith in, in the growth over the course of the year. It was maybe a little bit more shaken in the preseason than, than I would have liked. Yeah, definitely, man. Like, I, I feel the same way. <laughs> 538 put them at less than 1% chance to make the playoffs. 0.9% chance. Um, well, they like, are right above the Magic, who are one uh, game worse. Okay, so in the immortal words of Lloyd Christmas, so you're telling me there's a chance. Good to know. <laughs> one in a yes. million. The Magic... Again, they're half a percent chance, and then the Rockets and Thunder are both surprisingly at well, they are in the West, so it's a little bit tougher, but they had the Rockets and Thunder each at 19 and 63. Yeah, that's so the that's, Rockets. Maybe I can see that because I think they're gonna unload some guys like Eric Gordon and go full full-blown rebuild. But the Thunder, I feel like you at least have Shea and Poku and some other interesting players on the team. 1963 seems pretty harsh. Yeah, I mean, I, I think in that case, I feel kind of the same way about them as I do with the Pistons after watching them through preseason. Uh, it's, and, of course, I think like, everything that we're going to say about the Pistons' preseason performance has to come with a caveat, right? There's no Cade Cunningham. And that is, I mean, not probably, he is the most important player on this team. Oh, yeah. love Jeremy Grant, love what he's done, but... Cade Cunningham is what is going to make this team work if anything does, because he is the guy that can both score and make plays for others. And he's not out there right now. Uh, so, I mean, without Cade, this is a tough team to watch. They really can't shoot. Like there is a serious problem in that department. Frank Jackson, like, I'm I have high hopes for him. It's nice seeing Saban Lee go four for four from three last night, but this is not a team that inspires any sort of confidence from long range. And look in the Memphis game, I thought Killian Hayes did a really good job of actually getting to the rim. I, I was shocked. One of the first plays in the first quarter, he crossed over dribbled with his right hand to his right and then pulled up for a jumper. I was like, oh, my God, it's a new and improved Killian Hayes. It's a, it's a brand new day for us here in Detroit. Uh, of course, he missed the shot, but that's neither here nor there. Um, but, yeah, this is like a team that I really feel if Cade Cunningham is not out there, there's really nobody on this team that makes the opponent fear from outside like yeah kelly olenic can shoot a little bit frank jackson can shoot a little bit these guys are not shooters though and that is something that really it worries me after these three preseason games i i think even with Cade back in the fold and hey we were on this podcast last week saying simple small ankle sprain he'll be fine i don't know about that now uh we haven't really gotten an update on his condition there. So who knows when they're getting him back. He's going to have to take a huge role in that outside shooting because I don't see anyone else on this team that really can. 
Yeah, I think, firstly, I think it's important to, and I think we kind of talked about this last week, but I just want to reiterate as it's been a whole nother week and we're still kind of in the same position, if not maybe a little bit more concerned, that the Pistons have been saying now since, you know, the first day of training camp or second day of training camp, whatever it was, that Kate Cunningham just has a little bit of a fluid in his ankle. It's not serious. It's not, you know, they expect him back, whatever. But, you know, we're two weeks past that first time of hearing it. And it's, we're not hearing, oh, he's closer. He's, you know, he's feeling better. It's, yeah, he's still, you know, he's doing a little bit, just kind of shooting and stuff. And he's watching practices, but it doesn't sound like he's playing in the fun, fun, final preseason game. It, we have not heard that he's got in a, got in a full practice yet. And from Dwayne Casey, what we have heard is that he's very far behind because he's not been able to practice. He's not been able to get into the sets with any of the offense, with any of his teammates, build chemistry, those type of key things that a guy that's going to handle the basketball a lot needs to have. And it's just concerning to me that this little ankle issue has turned into a two-week thing where he was supposed to play in the first preseason game. Now he hasn't played at all and still isn't going to play in preseason. And that's not the worst of it because there's two other key, key players, two starters that are out alongside him in Killian Hayes, who now has a concussion after just getting over an ankle injury and Sadiq Bey, who also has an ankle injury now. So there's just a lot going on with the Pistons injury wise. I don't know if I believe that these things aren't serious because look at how the Kate Cunningham discussion and, how his injury has been handled and the way that they've talked about how they're going to now have to talk about a plan with Cade's group and the Pistons medical staff and the coaching staff. And that makes it sound like a much bigger deal than he's got a little bit of, you know, fluid in his ankle. It's just got to get through his system and he'll be able to go in, you know, a couple days or whatever. When you start bringing in a player's camp, like it definitely seems like it sounds a little bit more serious than, than a little bit of an ankle injury. And it almost brings me back to what was going on with Blake Griffin when he was still a piston a couple years ago, when he had his leg issues and how it wasn't that bad, he was able to play through it. And all of the things that transpired with that, which very much contributed to him becoming the less playable player that he is now in today's league. So I'm, I'm concerned with it. I'll be very frank. I, I've been, you know, trying to just feel confident in the fact that it's just a little, you know, ankle issue. They've talked about it not being serious. But here we are, you know, a week, uh, less than a week away from the beginning of the season. And we don't know if Kate Cunningham is going to be out there. Aaron, I think you brought up a great point there when you talked about Dwayne Casey saying that Cade Cunningham is behind right now. And that for me is why I'm concerned because honestly, like, I don't know exactly what the situation is here. Uh, we're not privy to the medical information that's going around, but this is a player that this team cannot afford to have falling behind. This is not a player that the team can afford to have, you know, coming out there opening night and not really knowing what the offensive sets are, not having even a full real practice with this team. This is your most important player. This is your new star. And if he's not playing in the preseason, if he's not even able to get integrated with the team, to me, 
that says there's a bigger problem here. More than just a little ankle sprain that he's healing up for, and we don't want to overexert him because it's preseason. Like, yeah, I know it's preseason, but this stuff does matter. You're trying to gel as a team before you get into the games that really count. And if Kate Cunningham's not even able to practice with the team right now, and we're coming up on the final preseason game, fellas, opening week is opening night is in what six days, seven days, something like that. It's really it's, close. It's not far off. Uh, to me, this is like, yeah, I don't want to freak out about it, but this really is screaming like there's an issue here, and. I feel like we're not really getting filled in, um, which which worries me 100%. I, I, I would be it's lying about, if I said it didn't. It's about par for the course, right? I mean, we had the same discussion in the middle of summer when Isaiah Stewart suddenly had an ankle injury, and then like two months went by, and we didn't really hear what it was or how long he was out or the nature of the injury or if it was a foot or an ankle. It's about par for the course, right? I mean, they've kept us in the dark a little bit on Cade, and I, I know that Dwayne Casey said today during – a. Um, to media availability that, that, that he's not worried about Cade, that Cade's a student of the game and he'll catch up and he, he doesn't have the same learning curve that most rookies do when they come into the league. So the team feels confident. And I'm sure that plenty of that was to uh, get the media off of his back. And I don't blame him there, but um, I think there is cause for maybe a little bit of hesitation. I, I don't think we're in full-blown worry yet. I mean, as soon as Cade, breaks down defense and swings a pass out to Sadiq who drills a corner three, all that's going to be basically move point. Uh, we're going to be really excited about it. And yeah, I mean, if, if it takes a little bit longer to get him on the court, so be it. I mean, if, if he has a little more advanced of an ankle injury and, and they're not telling us, then I mean, like I said, it's kind of par for the course, right? I mean, I know that Cade is of a, of a larger magnitude, but um, they just have to continue to be cautious and, and there's no reason to rush him. And, you know, when he's ready to play, he will not being able to practice is more, you know, that that's a little bit on the concerning side for me as well. Um, not being able to get a full practice. That is. I, I hear what you're saying, Mike, but you got to remember, I just told our listeners to bet the over on the season. So I think I'm, <laughs> I'm very like, justified and being worried here okay i don't want to look stupid um yeah you're probably right though like honestly if Cade is out for the first week of the regular season and then he comes back and because he's Cade freaking cunningham and he was drafted number one overall for a reason he comes in and he's instantly the best player on this squad like yeah uh all will be forgotten very fast but if he looks like isaiah stewart has for these first few games and shows a lot of rust um you know i think that, that there might be some some reason to you know worry about how quickly this season could kind of go down the tubes because you know i i do want to talk about some of the positives of course but like i don't think isaiah stewart's looked very good in preseason um i don't no. think I really don't like, I don't think Saban Lee, I know Saban Lee had like a good shooting night last night. I, I don't think he played especially well. Frank Jackson, same thing. You know, I think on the plus side, Kelly Olynyk has looked like the guy that Troy Weaver wanted when he brought him in. Um, Corey Joseph 
still looks like he is of yep. him, Saban Lee, and Killian Hayes, the best point guard of the three of them. And like, I'm not worried about Jeremy Grant whatsoever, but like, yeah, I, I'm interested what, you know, Aaron, what are, what are your thoughts on some of these backups and, and the other kind of secondary players? Cause obviously Kate is huge, but like, it's not all just Kate, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I think I'm very much of the opinion that Kate is going to come in and whenever it is, he's going to be a guaranteed 15, five and five a night. And that's going to immensely help the Pistons. He probably is capable of more than that, but we'll, you know, we'll see the numbers are, you know, whatever you want to call them. But I, th- I think he's capable of at least walking in and getting you 15, five and five, which is obviously huge for a team that doesn't really have a bunch of go-to guys outside of really Jeremy Grant. And if Kate is out, you're obviously missing a key player and you already have other injuries on the roster. The season hasn't even started yet. And this was something that I talked about when I, when I have discussed in previous podcasts that I haven't loved all the moves of the off season. It's that I don't think Detroit did enough to go and really get guys that are going to help this team right now in terms of, Let's talk about the backup big spots between both the four and the five, because I, th- I think there's a legitimate problem there because you have Kelly Olenek, who is a good backup big or starter, however it ends up shaking out. But I mean, as we've seen in preseason, Isaiah Stewart's the starting center, and it looks like it's going to remain that way. But outside of that, I don't think they have guys that are capable of coming in and stepping up and playing big minutes and, and producing like, you know, more contributing NBA players need to be in terms of on winning teams in someone like Trey Lyles or Luca Garza. Like I like Luca Garza a lot. I think he's a nice project to work on, but the Pistons don't have enough talent specifically at those two spots to where they can afford to be missing key players for a, a, a longer stretch of time. I think when you look at somewhere like the point guard spot, you at least have Corey Joseph that can come in, you know, he's going to produce, you know, he can give you 25, 30 minutes a night. If Killian's not able to play, you have Saban Lee on the wings, you have Frank Jackson, Hamadou Diallo, Josh Jackson, all that can spend time playing those backup minutes. And those guys are all capable of having nice performances. You know, those are guys that you can ride the hot hand on any given night, but you expect all of them to be able to contribute on a gamely basis. But outside of the wing spot, and somewhat the point guard spot. Now I'm still concerned about how much Saban Lee's going to to help. I hope he can. And he had a good preseason game against the Knicks. I know he shot the ball well, um, so that's a that's a big deal for him because obviously that's going to be a key part of his development. But the Pistons are not built to handle a key injury to a Jeremy Grant or Kate Cunningham, where they are missing a, a, more than just a game or two here and there. They are just not built for that. And they will very – it will be very visible that they're not built for that if Kate Cunningham is not out there to start the season or midway through the season, Jeremy Grant suffers an injury and he misses a couple weeks. They're just not built to, to, to withstand not having one of those two guys. It's just they did not go out and get enough other talent. And, and to be fair, part of that is because of the young guys they have on the roster. You're not necessarily going to go out and find a replacement that's maybe better right now than Killian Hayes. You want to develop Killian Hayes. The same goes for Sadiq Bey and Isaiah Stewart, and I get that. But 
depth wise, the Pistons are still a little bit behind in that regard outside of for sure the wing spot and maybe the point guard spot. And, and that's why they're just not built to, to withstand a, a key injury to someone like Kate Cunningham or Jeremy Grant. And that's why we've seen them lose a couple preseason games pretty ugly. Yeah. Um, so you had mentioned the depth and we kind of skipped a topic here, but that's okay. We will just continue on with our preseason injuries and sort of some rotation talk, but in going back to some of the injuries and the lack of depth that the Pistons have, mind you, their start to the season is pretty brutal. From October 20th to November 5th, their first, what, maybe like nine games of the season, they have a very gauntlet test that they have to pass through. Let me just show you the schedule here of who the Pistons face before they get a little bit of relief on the 10th, 12th, and 13th of November with Houston, Cleveland, and Toronto. They play Chicago on a back-to-back, or I'm sorry, not on a back-to-back, but, you know, it's back-to-back games. Chicago on the 20th, then again the 23rd. They play Atlanta. They play Philadelphia. They get sweet relief against Orlando. And then they play Brooklyn, Milwaukee, Philadelphia, and Brooklyn. Oh, gosh. Jeez, man. Okay, I didn't that see that is, part of the schedule. What the hell is going that's on? That's pretty brutal to start. Uh, you're playing the best of the best in the East. You're playing a team that was in the Eastern Conference Finals. You're playing a team that had maybe the most impactful offseason in the Bulls, and you play them twice. You play Philadelphia, which is a total grab bag at this point. Um, you're playing Brooklyn twice. You play the defending NBA champs. And then you play the Orlando Magic somewhere in the middle of there, and then – like I said, you get some really nice relief with Houston, Cleveland, Toronto, Sacramento. That's a I mean, pretty brutal start. They're they're starting out one and eight, right? Like I don't see they how they I don't see how they win two of those games. Cue the Paulo Benchero talk. Uh, wow, that's rough, man. They're about to look like the the Tigers did in April. Just like it's really toast, rough. man. Burns toast. They're how did done. the league decide to give the Pistons Philadelphia? Milwaukee and Brooklyn, two Brooklyn games. Brooklyn twice? How did the NBA decide that that was right? Two Chicago, two Philly, two Brooklyn, Milwaukee. Aaron, Aaron, you got to think about this in galaxy brain mode. This is actually Adam Silver making sure the Pistons get Paolo Banchero next year in the draft. That's that's the big brain move right there. Thanks, Adam. Yeah, he's killing their season before it even started. Wow. I, I had so, not looked at that yet. That is the Pistons are shutting down Kelly Olinick in uh check that October after starting the season one and nine. Wow, man. <laughs> but in relation to that depth and stuff, like Cade is gonna go up against some of the best point guards in the league. I mean, he's gonna get Trey Young, he's gonna get James Harden, he's gonna get Drew Holiday. He's going to get maybe the ghost of Ben Simmons. You know, he's he's going to get more on that later. Yeah, he more, he, more he, on he that might, later. He might get the NBA's greatest free thinker for two games, although that's he, looking yes, unlikely. That is looking unlikely. Mm. And then he's going to get the Bulls that revamped their backcourt with Lonzo and Alex Caruso. And, you know, and, and they're going to have Zach Levine at the two. So, I mean, there is a lot of he's going to be facing a gauntlet. So when we talk about injuries and taking things slowly, do you think maybe that early tough schedule impacts things? You know, or do you want to put Cade right out there immediately if he's got maybe a bum ankle against 
Chicago twice? Do you want to put him out there against Trey Young and have him running around screens like a maniac? Or do you want to wait? If if Kate is hurt and he, you know, shouldn't be playing, then no. But if he's, you know, good to go and like maybe that's a little bit nagging, but it's not something that's, you know, where he needs to be sitting out. Like, I think he should, should absolutely be out there. He's the number one pick for, for goodness sake. Oh, he, he, he deserves yes, to be absolutely. thrown into the fire. Like he needs to get that challenge right off the bat and see, look, this is where the big boys play. I think there's going to be, you know, that you want to go and you want to give, get your best at the number one pick because you want to show him this is, you know, you are the top players in this league now. And he's not that top guy that he was in college. Now he's just one of the guys, at least right now. And I, I think that's perfect. Like, and in a sense, I almost like that better. I like that he's got the Hell's Gates waiting for him starting October 19th. I think that's good for him. But if he is injured, then you can't play him. And, and that's fine. You're not going to risk his health in, to start off, you know, his first games of his career. But if it's something minor and he really can go, and maybe it's something where, I'll put it to you this way. Dwayne Casey says, well, look, we think Kate's good to go, but he hasn't really – we don't know if he's comfortable with the offense yet. We're going to hold him out. Then I would be upset. I think that's nonsense. I would say absolutely throw him into the fire. I agree with that. see what he can do. But if he's you know got a, an injury where the medical advice is he probably should not play, but if you really, really want him to, he could go, but he probably shouldn't, then fine, sit him out. But if it's more so the injury is kind of behind him, but we don't know how he fits into the team yet, he, he needs to be out there 100%. Yeah, um, I agree with that. If, if it's uh, something small, he should be out there playing. Um, but boy, that is a pretty rough start to the year. And I guess the same thing with Sadiq Bey and with Killian Hayes. I mean, are, are you rushing these guys back to go up and face, you know, Brooklyn and Milwaukee back to back? And then Philadelphia two days later. I don't know about rushing, but yeah, I mean, I, I you need these guys out here. Like this team does not does not have the talent to hang with any of those teams if their best players aren't out there. And and also, like you need to see what you're getting from Killian Hayes. Like we, we need answers there, and we need to see what he is going to look like next, Cade. Uh, whether he really can hang in this league as a starter, at least right now, or, you know, if, if their goal is to be competitive this season, if maybe he's going to have to take a little bit smaller role, I don't know. We'll see. I, I definitely saw some things that I liked from him in that Memphis game. I, I liked that he was able to get to the rack uh, in a way that he wasn't able to last year. I honestly, like, I thought the fact that he was driving to his right was another really good sign that he's made progress and growth there. But, you know, he still struggled at times and he had some problems there. So we really need a lot of clarity when it comes to this roster, especially when it comes to the starting lineup, because look, the bench has just straight up been better. The bench has been better than the starters yeah. so far. Yeah. It, it's also it's also necessary to see Killian Hayes out there because it seems like every time he gets out on the court, it gets interrupted. Beginning of last year, he gets hurt. Finally comes back and what he played what I think like 19 games, and then the season was over. 
Then you get to summer league. He gets hurt in summer league. He gets held out of summer league. You get him in the what second game of the preseason. He missed the first game with an injury. He gets hurt in the second game or third game, whatever, second game. And now he's out again. And it's like the interruption at every single point that Keelan Hayes finally gets on the court. One, it isn't good for us because we don't get a proper opportunity to evaluate him. Two, it's not good for him because he can't ever get settled in and just play basketball because he's always back out on the bench and back in the trainer's room. And three, it's bad for the Pistons because they're missing their starting point guard who is theoretically one of their guards of the future. And that is not good for their chemistry, for their offense. And we know Hayes is a good defender. It's bad for their defense. So, yeah, I mean, we're talking about three starters. Two out of three are, you know, two of the three best players on the Pistons roster in Kate Cunningham and Sadiq Bay. They need to be out there. And, you know, if, if, if it's something small, I don't, they should be out there playing. Absolutely. If, if there's, you know, a greater concern that if they play, there's a, a greater chance that they injure or, you know, worsen the severity of the injury then fine. But if it's a little tic-tac thing, get out there and play. Like it's the beginning of the season. You can't start the season one and 10 and expect to compete then for a playoff spot in April. So, you know, they need to get out there and start building chemistry and, and finding ways to compete in games against tough teams, because look, you know, it's the, you know, it's age old saying, if you, if you want to be one of the best teams, you got to be the best, beat the best teams. And they're going to get that opportunity right out of the gate. They certainly will. They certainly will. And, and Jasper, you had alluded, well, actually Aaron did, I'm sorry, alluded a little bit to one of our other topics, which we can get into a little bit, which is Ben Simmons. And Detroit is one of the nine teams interested in Ben Simmons, according to Jake Fisher of Bleacher Report. And the Pistons would be willing to move Jeremy Grant to make that happen. And certainly some other pieces would need to be involved in that. Um, guys, that, talking about Ben Simmons is one of my least favorite things. It's right up there with talking about Kyrie Irving. Um, but it's going to continue to drag out until this poor marriage is resolved. You're, We've talked you're gonna, about this before. Go ahead. Uh, Mike, I was just going to say, you're going to hate our fourth topic. It's actually deflate gate. We're talking about Tom Brady <laughs> and deflated footballs. You remember that when that was the only thing they talked about on sports radio for a year yeah. and a half? That was yeah. Sports dark radio times. Continues to be a travesty. Dark times, my friend. Well, guys, maybe we can close the door on this once and for all. Interest in acquiring Ben Simmons and interest in moving Jeremy Grant to make it happen. What are we thinking? I think you hit on it, Mike. The thing is, it's not just moving Jeremy Grant. It is going to be other pieces. And those other pieces are almost certainly, without a doubt, going to be unprotected lottery picks. Probably next year's pick. And... Or it's going to be something like, you know, Jeremy, Sadiq Bay, and perhaps a lottery-protected first-rounder, um, and maybe another player. I, I don't even know. I, look, I know that the trade market for Ben Simmons is not what it, what it could be uh, based on his talent level, but I still feel as though you're going to have to give up too much in order to acquire him. If you were just trading Jeremy Grant for Ben Simmons straight up, yeah, I'm taking that trade. Simmons, yes, makes a lot more money than Jeremy Grant does, but
but he's also three years younger. I do believe he has a higher upside than Jeremy Grant, especially on the defensive end of the floor. And yeah, I know that with him, Killian, and Kate Cunningham, that is a lot of playmakers for just one basketball. But look, this is a team, we've seen it through three preseason games. This is a team that needs talent, period, however they can get it. And Ben Simmons is one of the most talented players in the NBA right now. Of course, there are red flags. Of course, there are negatives to his game. But look, if it's a straight-up swap, Jeremy Grant for Ben Simmons, you have to take that. I think you have to take that every day of the week. So trading for Ben Simmons would help the Pistons in something that we we talked about earlier, the offseason. They didn't get like enough talent to be able to handle and withstand injuries to key players. In that sense, it would help them. But it would also end up canceling it out if you're trading someone like Jeremy Grant. Um in a case like this, I think if you really want to trade for Ben Simmons, it, it, it's just it doesn't it just doesn't work because your best trade would not be trading Jeremy Grant. Your best trade would be trading future assets, young players on the roster like a Killian Hayes if Philadelphia was interested in him, or Isaiah Stewart if for some reason Philadelphia was interested in him. It's not trading one of your it's not trading your best player for their best player I don't think in that sense it helps them that much especially because Ben Simmons is going to come in and he's going to demand the basketball and he's going to be a, a point another point guard that you have to give the ball to and if you're worried about that with someone like Killian Hayes then you're also going to be worried about that if not at a greater sense with someone like Ben Simmons so in that sense like i I, I think Ben Simmons is a good basketball player. He's obviously a head case. I, I'm not too interested in the Pistons acquiring him in the first place. I'm really not interested in it if it involves moving Jeremy Grant. If it was something centered around, for some reason, Killian Hayes and some other later assets or younger assets, whatever, that'd be one thing. I still wouldn't be super interested in it um, because of he just doesn't. I'm just not a big Ben Simmons guy. But, but Aaron, um, I, look, the thing is, it's not that he can't score. It's that he can't shoot. The, there's a simple solution to it. You play him as your primary big man, and you build around from the outside. And I think Kate Cunningham absolutely can work with Ben Simmons because he can shoot. I don't know. I, I get what you're saying. I 100% do. But, like, on a talent-for-talent basis – Ben Simmons is the greater talent than Jeremy Grant. Do we agree on this? Yes. Okay. And and look, he can fulfill a role on this team that they desperately need, which is scoring in the paint and versatile big men that can defend multiple positions. He can do that. So, I, I, look, I get what you're saying. Obviously, like I said, there's a lot of red flags here. But if you are moving on from Killian Hayes, it's not like there's so many talented playmakers on this roster to where you go, well, ooh, how are we going to be able to fit Ben Simmons into our point guard rotation? Like, you can play Cade off ball. You can play Ben Simmons in the post. You can play Cade as a small ball four. Like, whatever, man. So, I, I don't know. Like I said, I understand where you're coming from, but I think if the trade is something like Killian Hayes, 
and Jeremy Grant for Ben Simmons. I have to do it. I have I, to. I but think it's ben, when you it's when you put the future picks in there that I I start getting a little wordy. I start getting a little nervous and shaky. Ben Simmons has more talent than Jeremy Grant, but he's, in my opinion, harder to build a roster with and and around because he is that type of player and that's what he's paid like. And I mean, just looking at his performances specifically in the postseason, this is a guy that it might sound cliche, but he just doesn't seem built for that. And I mean, that the game last year in the playoffs where he didn't take the open layup and he decided to pass the ball. Like he's, he's afraid. He's afraid to be a threat offensively. And that bothers me. And if he's going to be one of your guys, how can you trust him when he won't do those type of things? How can you trust him when this is a guy that's getting paid hundreds of millions of dollars and he won't not, not that he has to be a great three point shooter, but he will not learn how to shoot the basketball. He will not take, build the confidence within himself to shoot the basketball. Those are concerns that I have. I think it's a lot easier to take someone like Jeremy Grant, who's paid less money, who is still young in his own regard, is coming off a trip with Team USA, is coming off a damn near all-star level season. I'm more comfortable with him on the roster than Ben Simmons, and I certainly want, wouldn't want to attach with Grant your starting young point guard and future assets to go get this guy Um yeah, I'm, I just I've not been a Ben Simmons guy ever, really. So I, I, the same. I mean, to be honest, I've I've never been a big fan of his game either. I will say, like for me, it makes me think of the now. Of course, with hindsight, I guess you could say my position's wrong considering how it worked out. But it reminds me of the Blake Griffin Tobias Harris swap, where yeah, I think that it's easier to have a guy like Tobias Harris on your team or in this case, Jeremy Grant. But the fact is, like, Ben Simmons or Blake Griffin, whatever, elevates the floor of your roster so much higher than someone like Jeremy Grant or Tobias Harris can. And, yeah, absolutely. Like, it's not good how he's looked in the playoffs. It's not good that he's refused to shoot threes. But I don't think that, at 25, it's over for him, necessarily. I think there's a lot of extenuating circumstances. Maybe not with the three-pointers, but when it comes to his playoff performances, I think you can look at a lot of different factors for why that happened. And a fresh start in Detroit, where there is going to be a lot less scrutiny, let's be real, and a lot more opportunities for him to play the game that he wants to play... I think that you could turn around his career. And I do think that you could turn him into the type of player that he can be, not the type of player that he has been, because we're in agreement on this. He's not lived up to his potential. And, you know, really since his college days, he's shown a lack of willingness to do the things that he needs to do. But he's also been in bad situations. LSU was a bad situation the Philly situation ended up getting really, really toxic for him at the end. So I understand where you're coming from, but I have to take that chance. I have to. Yeah. I guess we're just on the other, we're just on the opposite. Like I'd rather play, play it safe with Jeremy Grant and whatever else I'm retaining in that trade. I just, yeah, I can't talk myself into Ben Simmons with all of the, the on the court, and off the court stuff that has gone on in his career. I'll just, 
I just stay away from him, I guess, is, is mm. how I'll, I'll leave it. Yet another Kardashian hater. I see how it is. <laughs> me, me and Chris are going to be over here sipping the tea. Is he still dating Kendall Jenner? I don't know. <laughs> I don't, I don't I pay attention no to this idea. stuff. <laughs> is it Booker? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, sorry. So that was they have a long up. list. It's okay. <laughs> there is a long forget. list. Yeah. Shout out oh, Reggie so, Bush. Got it all started. Oh, he did. He did. Um, still kind of interesting how we think of Ben Simmons as not living up to the hype as a multi-time all-star and defensive player of the year and a candidate year in and year out for all that because of a lack of a shot. I mean, he is a very strong rim finisher um, and an excellent passer. And actually his usage was quite a bit lower uh, this past season than the one before. So uh, his turnovers are still high. I mean, I'm, I'm just kind of sifting through his stats. I mean, the problem with Ben Simmons is he requires such a very particular arrangement of players around him to complement his skill set. And I really think that he's, he's of the, not of the LeBron ilk in that he's of the same player, but he requires a similar LeBron uh, lineup around him. LeBron and four shooters was pretty much the way that the Cavaliers scheme rolled to the East for four years, maybe three and a half years. Kind of need that with Ben Simmons. He's a kickout assist guy who's going to get to the rim with relative ease. And he's a very strong defender, but you need four shooters around him uh, to really capitalize on his capabilities. And, the Pistons don't have shooting, as we've alluded to several times. So I, I feel like there's limitations to trading for Ben Simmons if you don't already have the roster intact that complements his skill set. Yeah, I, that's a that's a fair point as well. I mean, Kate Cunningham can shoot. Guys like Frank Jackson, Kelly Olynyk can shoot. But do the Pistons have enough other exterior shooting outside of, you know, those three, Sadiq Bay, whatever, like, Isaiah Stewart shot is still TBD. Uh, Trey Lyles has not great splits shooting wise, at least on a career wise basis. He's had a couple decent seasons. He's had a couple bad seasons. Um, you know, Diallo's not really a three point shooting threat. Josh Jackson was, for example, one of seven from the three point line against the Knicks yesterday. So, yeah, I think that's another potential snafu in in something like this, acquiring Ben Simmons and building your team around him. I don't know if the Pistons have the right roster as it currently stands to support him in that regard as well. I don't know, man. I, I look at a lineup and, and it all would hinge on Simmons's willingness to play as a playmaking big man instead of a traditional point guard. And if he's not willing to do it, then you don't make that trade. But if he is, I think a lineup of Kate Cunningham, uh, Sadiq Bey, Ben Simmons, Kelly Olenek, and um, I don't know, Frank Jackson. To me, that's a that's a team that, that can work as my starting five. I thought sure. you were going to say uh, Isaiah Stewart instead that's of Frank Jackson. <laughs> and then I was going to say, whoa, you're stepping on Mike's toes with the Cavs going all day. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. true. That's, we'll have, that's uh, we'll have Isaiah Stewart playing the uh, the Evan Mobley role as, <laughs> as the as the big ball three. I love oh that, God. man. I, I love it, Mike. I'm ex- We're going to have to talk a little bit of Cavs this year with that. No, you know what they'll do? Oh, I got it. They'll they'll trade Isaiah Stewart as part of the deal. They're going to need to get another big man back. Yeah, say who's the, it. Who's the, who's the backup big for Philly? Say it. 
Andre, Andre Drummond. Drummond. <laughs> that is right. Andre Drummond's playing the three in Detroit. We all saw him strip D-Wade on back-to-back possessions, oh, nine, ten years ago now. He can do it now. Put him on the perimeter. Who cares? Oh, my gosh. I love it. We're doing it, baby. We're back. A big man you can build around. Thank God. Finally. The new big Bob Lanier. Okay, I think I think my mind is going at this point. We probably should wrap things up. Yeah, yeah, we we should wrap things up. We do have one more topic. We kind of hit on it a little bit. Um, really, it kind of breaks down to where does Saban Lee fit? We talked a lot about the wings and the giant cluster of wings that exists on the roster. Um, we we talked a lot about rotations and whatnot. And let me just uh, before we wrap up. I'm going to give you 538's estimated rotation for uh, the Pistons and the minute allocation for them. So the starters, I guess, the, the guys with the most amount of minutes would be Killian Hayes, Cade Cunningham, Sadiq Bay, Jeremy Grant, Isaiah Stewart. Um, Cade getting the most minutes at 31 minutes per game. Jeremy Grant with 30 minutes per game. And a bench of Josh Jackson, Hamadine Gallo at 20 minutes apiece. Kojo at and Kelly Olenek at 17 apiece, Trey Lyles at 13, Isaiah Livers at 12. That is very strange. And uh, Luca Garza getting a minute per game. So that means Saban Lee, Frank Jackson, Rodney, Hot Rod, Magruder, Jamorco Pickett, those guys getting zero minutes. And this is just an estimate as, you know, as well. This is um, the idea. Uh, and it considers injuries as well, which there are numerous of them, but um you specifically noted and asked here for our topics of where does Saban Lee fit. Now, where does Saban Lee fit? He did have a nice shooting game against the Knicks yesterday, but you know, where does he stand on the roster? Shit, he might be their starting point guard right now with all these injuries. Yeah, um, he might be. But if they're healthy, he's probably on the outside looking in. I mean, maybe he yeah. gets like a couple spot minutes if there's a matchup that they like, or they want him in for a defensive possession or something like that. But yeah, I I'm with you, Aaron. It, he's he's, if they're all healthy, he's the fourth point guard on this team. And I like Saban Lee. I want him to succeed, but honestly, Corey Joseph has just been better. He's just has been better. He's Corey been a Joseph good player. Was good last yeah, year. And I said that a few weeks ago. He was good. And you know what? He was he's been good in the preseason too. Like he was one of the few players who didn't look like complete crap against Memphis. So yeah, I, I think unfortunately for, for Saban Lee, um, he's, he's on the outside looking in. I I'm with you on that, Aaron. I, I really am. If they're fully healthy, should he be in the G league? Yes. I mean, they're, they're, you know, a mile away or whatever at Wayne state, like he can practice with the Pistons every day and then go play the games. No, he should be playing. Like he, he should be playing. Yeah, I. That's a guy I want to see improve his skill set and improve as a player because, like, I do think he can be the backup point guard on this team. I, I just don't think right now he's the backup point guard, and there's certain things that he's going to have to improve. And really, the only way you can do that is through practice and playing time. And he's not going to get playing time on this roster unless somebody goes down for an extended period of time. So yeah, I'm, I agree. I think he should be playing in the G league for sure. And I want to see him with Jamorco Pickett. That's going to be fun as hell. Yes. So with just our our last bit here on the wings, before we go ahead and wrap up, Josh Jackson, Frank Jackson, Hamadou Diallo, all vying 
for those wing minutes. Do you think that that 538 of just splitting it down the middle with Jackson and Diallo getting 20 each, is, is that probably how it's going to shake out? Because really not a whole lot's been gained from the preseason in terms of determining who's going to get those consistent backup two minutes, at least was not it, in my opinion. Was it Frank or Josh? Um, is it Josh? Well, Frank, Frank got the start at the two lately, but Diallo got quite a few shots up, I think, against Memphis. Mm-hmm. And... Um, Josh Jackson has been getting pretty consistent minutes here in the preseason too, but how is it going to shake out with, with those, with those guys? Josh is going to play the most minutes. I'm, I'm pretty certain of that right now. He's getting a lot of height. They're playing him a ton, man. Like, yeah, he's like the first guy off. He's the second guy off the bench. Kelly Olenek's the first guy off the bench, but like, I, I think as of right now, Josh Jackson is, Everything that I'm hearing coming out of, you know, the Pistons camp, they're saying he's a team leader. He's this, he's that, he's really focused. He's playing well. I would be very surprised if he was not the, their first choice at the backup, like three. Um, And I do. Oh, sorry. Yeah. No, no. I just real quick. Can they just go small with the two Jacksons and Diallo and then Corey Joseph and Kelly Olenek? They didn't. They didn't do it in in the Memphis game, but they almost did. They like, they should just I, they should just do that. I, I, yeah, why not? I don't see how you keep any of those three off the court. I mean, I think it's easier to pull someone like Josh Jackson if he's having one of those out of control, not into it games. But someone like Frank Jackson needs to be out on the court just because he spaces the floor. He's a forty percent three point shooter. Dwayne Casey talks so highly of his defense every time. Every time Frank Jackson is brought up, I always hear Dwayne Casey talking about how well he competes defensively. And I, I just, I, it's just, it seems like he needs to be out there. And I guess it comes down to Jackson or Diallo who has the hotter hand, or they could just ride with all three of them. And I don't they know. Seem, they seem comfortable rolling with Hamadou and, and Josh on the same lineup. So yeah. Yeah. I, we've talked about it all po- like preseason, which has been like, how does this backup shooting guard, small forward situation kind of shake out? And <laughs> to be honest, I am no more certain now than I was two months ago. So it's going to be definitely something to keep an eye on. That's just kind of the fun grab bag you get by uh, following a team with very little depth and just a whole lot of hodgepodgey players. Um, And the team is also kind of bad. So it'll just be one of those things that has to shake out. And um, yeah, Josh Jackson's getting a lot of minutes, but we'll see how long that lasts. I I think it's going to be riding the hot hand. And you guys alluded to it earlier in the show. It's just a it might be who's shooting better right now because there is just a lack of shooting on this roster. That was a little bit of a long podcast, fellas. It was, but it felt good. It it wasn't that long. I guess we'll have to check back when the editor looks at it. (laughs) Yeah. Whoever that might be, whenever that editor gets around to it, he's kind of, to be honest, guys, he has not been following any of my requests over the last few (laughs) weeks. So might have to have a talk uh, with a complaint to HR. I definitely will be. I'm, you know, I think we have um, a little like comments, concerns box in the break room. When I get my coffee, (laughs) I'm going to, I'm going to put it in there. Of course, in the, in the palace of Pistons penthouse. uh, What you don't know is that the concerns and complaints box just actually empties out into the garbage. 
But I'm sure the HR will get around to it. Uh, uh, don't worry. Of, one of these one days, of Aaron weeks. is going to hit on one of his bets, and we're all going to be in the penthouse. Alice Piston's <laughs> penthouse. Alice Piston's we'll content house. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. All right. When I start making fun of, of Aaron's betting, that's how you know the, the podcast has to end. Yeah. That's, that's how you know. Take yeah, us home, Mike. We've, we've come full circle. Well, guys, thanks you so much for joining us on this edition of the Palace of Pistons podcast. We covered a lot. Thank you to our sponsor, Bet Online. Again, sign up today, receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. And don't forget to use that promo code BLEAV, B L E A V, to receive that bonus. Bet Online is where the game starts. We are just a short six days away, Gulp, uh, from opening night for the Pistons. It's come awfully quickly. Still have a lot of unanswered questions, a lot of injuries. Um, we did provide some preview content, some positional preview content of houseofpistons.com, guards, wings, and bigs. Certainly encourage you to check that out if you would like a, a nice overview of all of the positions uh, and how they may shake out in the numerous stable of characters that currently uh, reside in those positions. There's a lot of a lot of players who are vying for for time, there's a lot of very young, interesting players on this roster. We, we really hope that you'll be sticking around with us into the season, which is right around the corner. So for Aaron Johnson, Jasper Apollonia, my name is Mike Angolano. Thank you very much for joining us on this edition of Pals of Distance Podcast. We will see you all next time. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.